This is the Fearless Presentations Podcast, the fastest, easiest way to reduce public speaking fear. Want to absolutely eliminate public speaking fear? This podcast is the answer. Here's the guy who literally wrote the book on Fearless Presentations, Doug Stannard. So, Doug, what's today's hot topic? So, our hot topic today is how to eliminate public speaking fear in three easy steps. And step one, the very first thing that you want to do if you want to totally eliminate your public speaking fear is you have to figure out where exactly that public speaking fear is coming from. And I'll, I'll give you uh, some examples. I'll, I'll kind of show you how uh, the public public speaking fear is kind of similar to other fears that we have. Uh, anytime you do something for the first time, you're going to be somewhat nervous about that thing, whether that's a skill or whether you're doing something unknown. Well, when you do it for the first time, there's going to be some type of nervousness, some type of anxiety in that process. Um, if the higher the risk of failure or the higher of danger, the more danger that's involved in that that skill or that new activity, the more likely the nervousness will have increased, right? So i give you some examples. Like for instance, in class, in the two-day public speaking class that we teach all over the United States, Canada, Europe, uh, one of the first things that a lot of our instructors will kind of uh, use as an example is learn, learning to drive a car. And the reason why is because the very first time you get into a car when you're, you know, you might be 14 or 15 years old, maybe 16, you, the first time you get behind the wheel, it's a nerve-wracking experience. And, and a lot of us can kind of remember that, even though we kind of forget a lot of the details, we still remember that that very first time that we had to get on the freeway, for instance, and one of those kind of things. While we're in the parking lot at the school, okay, it's nerve-wracking, you know, there's some nervousness involved in that, but there's not an imminent risk of death or anything. So as a result, we're not nearly as nervous trying to pull into the the um, the, the the orange cones as what we are when we get out when there's other traffic around us, right? So so driving a car is a, is a good example. Um, uh, one that's that's kind of even closer is uh, riding a roller coaster right now. So if you think about it, there is a very small risk of death if you're if you're riding a roller coaster. You know, the, I mean, you see the YouTube videos where a roller coaster goes flying off the tracks and you know two people die and that kind of thing, right? So it does happen, but statistically, it's a very very microscopic percentage of of times that a roller coaster actually kills somebody. So there is some risk of death, but um, the risk is is minute. It's a, it's a very tiny kind of risk. But still, the the very first time that you get on a roller coaster, if you've never ever been on a roller coaster before, it's you you can actually feel it. Your heart starts to beat faster you start to you know, to feel the kind of shakiness and that kind of thing so all of those things are are, are true and in fact I think probably even a better example of, a, of, a, of an activity that we that we do that is very similar to public speaking is is going to a haunted house I remember when I was I, I bet I was probably nine or ten years old and in the we, we lived out in the in the country we lived out in the, in a little tiny town and about I'd say maybe three or four miles away from our house there was this real creepy house. And the only thing it was used for is is from I, I'm guessing from 
sometime at the beginning of October until October 31st that was used as a haunted house. And, and so basically this, this house was only used about one month a year. And I'd drive by that every year from the time that I was five, six, seven years old when, you know, I'm riding in my, in my parents' car and looking out the window and I see the signs up for the haunted house and everything. And I, and I hear my kid, my friends, you know, that are kids at, at the elementary school tell me how they've been to haunted houses. And I'm, and I always wanted to go just, I'm, I'm boy, that, that, uh, that seems kind of scary. You know, I want to, I want to kind of do that. And I remember, like I said, I think I was probably nine or 10 years old and I talked my dad into, into taking me and we paid the fee and there was this long line to get in. I bet there was probably 20, 25 people or so in front of us. And as we started getting closer to the door, I kept hearing all the sounds that were going on inside. And I got maybe third from the top and I looked up at my dad and I was like, I don't want to do this. And he's like, well, it's too late now. We've already paid the fee. And I'm glad he did because after I kind of went through, I mean, the whole time, that first 10 minutes or so that we were kind of walking through the house, I was a wreck. I mean, it was so nerve wracking. I was so nervous. It was, it was one of those, it was, it was actually a, not a pleasant experience. But as I kind of started walking around, I, I think the first, first time I kind of noticed that, you know, I knew these were just people in masks and stuff like that. But, but there, one of the, one of the rooms that we went into, you could actually see, it was so obvious that the person was a, was fake. It was so obvious that at that point, my nervousness kind of dropped down and I started to realize that, okay, well, there's really nothing that's going to happen to me. How many, how many hundreds of other people have been through this haunted house in the last, you know, 48 hours, you know, so, and none of them have, you know, have gotten their arms amputated or anything like that. So, you know, the risk of failure is probably pretty low. So as a result, my nervousness dropped down pretty dramatically. And after that very first experience, and I realized how kind of fake it was, it, the, any additional haunted house I've ever been through in, in, in my life, it, it was a whole lot easier. That's the way it is with public speaking. If you have a, a, a positive experience along the way, so that first that first thing that you have to keep in mind is that you want to, you got to realize where that that fear is coming from. If um, but and going back to the, the the haunted house and the roller coaster and those those are kind of things that the fear is it, it's. It's real, but it's kind of manufactured by our body. It's it's that that fight or flight activity that that happens within our body that says, "Hey, there's a risk of failure. There's a risk of death. There's a risk of something bad happened to me," and as a result, um, you know, you, you should feel nervous here. And after you've, if, you know, and after you've experienced it a few times that risk kind of lowers and it, and, and it makes it a little easier to do that activity the next time. So the fourth or fifth or sixth time or 10th time or 20th time that you've been on a roller coaster, it's not nearly as nerve wracking, you know, the 10th or 15th or 20, 20th time you've been in a haunted house. It's not nearly as nerve wracking. Um, you know, so any of those other things that, that happen to us when we, when we get nervous, as long as we're having a positive experience or have an experience that, that didn't cause that negative thing to occur, the the fear will diminish pretty dramatically. So so step number two, so after you've kind of figured out where that fear comes from, step number two is you want to lower the risk of failure. And so like for instance, you know, going back to some of those examples before, like the the um the roller coaster, for example, you know, there's all kinds of safety harnesses. You know, if you didn't have a seatbelt, if you didn't have that that lap bar that came down, there's a much higher risk now of your body flying out of that roller coaster when it goes, you know, off, uh, goes down the big drop, right? So, so basically, there are certain things that you can do to lower the risk of failure, and because of those, that that risk being lowered, it lowers our nervousness as well. So. You don't necessarily have to go into a to a speech cold. You can actually do things to help you lower that risk. And so, um, 
Um, for instance, the, the very first thing that I always encourage people to do is to start small. You don't have to go out and, and give this you know phenomenal motivational speech in front of 10,000 people in order to be a successful speaker. Start small. Um, some examples of places that you can do that is, you know, like for instance, you might if you're if you're in some kind of club or social social club of some kind, you can run as an officer, and, and a lot of times the officers have to give a speech, you know, at at, uh, at least in the the officer meetings, and sometimes at every meeting. Um, you can also you know report at meetings at your office, you know. So if you have staff meetings or something like that, every once in a while just kind of give a report on projects that you're working on, that kind of thing. Ask questions when other people are speaking. So if you're in the audience at a at a bigger speech, then it, it, and when they ask, when the speaker says, "Hey, are there any questions?" and if you have a question, go ahead and ask it. That gives you more examples of, of speaking in front of a group. You can you can volunteer at your church. You know any of those kind of things. Those little things. They give you those positive experiences that help you kind of build. Like, for instance, I, I, in that very first podcast that I did, I kind of talked about that negative experience that I had when I was an intern in college. Well, I wanted to fix it, and I wasn't sure exactly how to do it. One of the very first things that I did when I got back to school in the fall after that internship was I ran as an officer in my fraternity. You know, these were these were my friends. You know, these were these were people that kind of knew me pretty well. So I and I ran for for as as an officer that wouldn't have to give a lot of speeches. So I ran as the treasurer. So basically, I the the treasurer report. You know, I, I did that every. I can't remember whether we met every week or every month, but however often we met as a as a chapter, I had to give maybe a two or three minute speech, a very easy kind of speech. <laughs> let people know how much money was in the bank account. Let, let let us know you know who's paid their dues and all that kind of stuff. All right. So it's a pretty. It was a pretty easy speech. But it gave me uh, the 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 positive experiences that that I could kind of fall back on when I had to speak at, in a different kind of venue. Um, when I graduated from college, when after I started my career. I was still feeling that nervousness, although it started to diminish a little bit. So one of the things that, that I did was when I joined a, a new church in the in the city that I kind of moved to, I, I, I found out that there was this children's church, and it had a puppet show every Sunday. So every Sunday, there were, uh, I think there was probably six people that, that uh, did a puppet show for the, for the little kids. And I thought, well, number one, that sounds pretty fun. So you know, I'll, I'll try that. So, and, and basically I did that for, I don't know, maybe two years or so. And after doing that for two years, the, um, the, the, uh, youth minister, the person who was in charge of the, the youth program there at the church asked me to, to start teaching in the, uh, in the college age kids classes as well. So, so basically I kept kind of stepping it up a little bit. Um, uh, by the way, which which is part of this, you know, even though one of the other additional things that you can do to lower the risk of failure is you know, start small. But after you start small, you also want to keep increasing the difficulty. So like so, you know, going back to the to what I did in church is I started out with a memorized script, you know, the the, the children's church that I was working in had um, a memorized script with the puppet show. So all I had to do was, and I had it behind the scenes with me, you know, since it's a puppet show, I could actually have the script in front of me, so I didn't have to memorize anything, so it made it a whole lot easier. But then when I stepped up the difficulty, when I started teaching in the, the um, college-age kids' church, you know, that, that made it a little bit more difficult for me. And after having a few successes there, you know, my comfort level increased as well. So uh, so basically, you don't want to sit on your laurels. You know, you don't want to just kind of keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. You want to kind of increase the, the difficulty, make the... 
but stretch yourself as you as you start to grow as a speaker and it'll make it a whole lot easier one of the easiest ways to do this by the way to really lower the risk of failure when you're when you're speaking in front of a group is to either attend a public speaking class or at least get a public speaking coach the reason why those are can really lower the risk is because you're in a controlled environment you're when you when you like for instance when people go to the um, the two-day fearless presentations class They've got. They're going to be given a series of about eight eight presentations in that in that two day class. They'll probably get three or four or five the first day, and then give another two or three the second day. And and what what the instructor is doing in that two day class is doing just the things that we're talking about here to really lower the risk. Number one, start off small, give a really small, easy to to deliver presentation, and then continue to step up the difficulty as you kind of go back through. So so every time that we ask a, a, a presenter to give a speech, we make the next speech a little bit more difficult than the last one that they had a big success with. So it makes it a whole lot easier now for them to to um, gain confidence along the way. The, the, the added benefit of that, by the way, is that because there's a coach right there in the room, it really lowers that risk of failure. It makes it to where that coach is actually helping that person get better every single time. So, and that, that's one of the things that makes it a whole lot more difficult if you're trying to do this on your own, if you're trying to do this by yourself. So having that coach really, really, really helps. Um, so step number three of the, the three things that you can do to just totally eliminate public speaking fear is you gotta stack your successes. After every experience that you have in front of a group, you want to kind of look back on that presentation and say, okay, what exactly did I do right here? Now, keep in mind, the natural tendency for most of us when, we, when we're when we analyzing our performance is we want to say, oh my God, what did I do wrong so that I can fix it? That's the exact opposite of what you want to do if, you want to, if you're trying to gain confidence in, in a skill set. So um, it's a whole lot easier to stack your successes, to kind of focus on what you did right. And in fact, that's what, in, in that example that I was given with the, the fearless presentation, class, that's what our instructors do. So after every speech, we know that people are going to be overly self-critical. So basically what the instructor does is points out two, three, four, five things that the person did well. And if you focus on those things, the next time you get up and give a speech, it makes the next speech easier. And then and then the instructor will identify new, new strengths or new things that you did well. And then every time you have a new success, there, the instructor is identifying new strengths and that coach is helping you. So if the, the you know, analysis here that you can that uh, that I like to use is it's kind of like um, uh, it's kind of like learning a, a skill like a sport right so if you have a good coach the if a coach just kind of con- continues to tell you what you're doing wrong your your confidence in that skill is going to drop pretty dramatically uh, I had a when I was in college I played football at, at Texas Tech and we had a um, we had a, a an offensive coordinator at the time that was really critical. I mean, he was just they called him the the guys on the team called him Gargamel from like the Smurfs, but that which you know just he was just this really cantankerous old man, really mean. And um, and one of the things that he liked to do is he would he was just overly critical of everything. He wanted everything to be perfect. If it wasn't perfect, he told you what wasn't perfect about it. And um, at the time, this was back in the in the early 90s, you know, all the way and he was he was there all the way through the you know the the mid 90s or so. 
And one of the things that we that I saw happening consistently on the, the football team was that we would build up this huge lead in the first half. You know, we would uh, like Texas Tech was just there they, they was this high gun slinging kind of offense, and they would they would score tons of points. I mean, we our offense would score you know 40 points sometimes 30 something points in the in the in the first half and then in the second half we'd score nothing so we had to it, it got to kind of be a joke for for those of us who are on the team we'd kind of say man i hope we we build up a big enough cushion so that the the other team can't come back in the second half and I, I, after years and years and years after i kind of graduated from school and after i started doing a lot of coaching in the business world i realized exactly what was happening the the offensive coordinator because he was so critical uh, in that first half when people were doing when the, the guys on the team were doing exactly what they were supposed to do they were confident they were they were on cloud nine and they were rolling over the the opponents but all it took was for one of those guys to make a single mistake you make a single mistake and now all of a sudden they're focusing on that mistake and how that coach is gonna rip them a new one on Sunday morning or Monday morning when they when they start watching the film and as a result the 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 process just kind of deteriorated from there um, and that that's what happens to a lot of people in in public speaking as well is that we focus so much on the negative we focus so much on what we did wrong that we kind of forget about what we did right you know we had 90% of our presentation was right and 10% was wrong and we focus on the 10% versus the 90%, right? So that so it's it, it's kind of backwards. So focus on what you did right and that's one of the reasons why having a good coach can really help you help you do that. Um in also in this 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 point when you're stacking your successes, you want to look for opportunities to speak. Look for more opportunities to speak. I, I kind of talked about some of those in the in the the previous bullet where we were talking about how to you know if you start small, but there's also if you it to, you can take on bigger activities as well. You can look for those opportunities that have probably come around in the past that we pass up. You know, a lot of times we disregard those, but there's a ton of situations that you've probably come across in your life or your career where you had the opportunity to take on a, a leadership role, or you had the opportunity to take on a a situation where you're going to do more speaking. Maybe you're going to be in, uh, like the president of of your Rotary Club or so or Qantas Club or something like that. Maybe you have the opportunity to get a promotion. And you know, I've seen people people that have come through our, our public speaking class that will tell me that they actually passed up a promotion because they knew that if they got promoted, they'd have to speak more. And so as a result, they finally broke down and took the class because the the boss was telling them they're going to get promoted anyway, right? So so, um, so basically, those opportunities kind of, kind of are there a lot of times, and we just pass them up. And if you don't see those opportunities that have been passed up, then go out and make your own opportunities. You know, there are a lot of people out there that, uh, I, I'll give you some examples. Like, for instance, let's say I'm a, I'm a plumber, right? I'm a, I'm a plumber, and um, and uh, so I don't really have a lot of opportunities to kind of speak in front of a group. Well, you know, go join a Rotary Club or something like that, and you can give, you can give. A, a, rotary clubs will have speakers come in every week, and so they're always looking for somebody to kind of speak at the club. And so you can actually go in and give some tips on, you know, how to weatherize your house or something like that, or how to reduce your your electric costs, electricity costs, um, you know, or I'm sorry, water costs or whatever it is. So. 
basically, you, you can give presentations. You, if you don't see those opportunities in front of you, you can actually go out and make those opportunities. Um, the, the reason why this last key concept in the, in the ways to reduce that, that, eliminate that public speaking fear is so, is so powerful is that you have to really stack those successes because our memories are short for the most part. So a lot of times we, when we have a success, if we don't have another success right away, we forget what we did to have that success, right? So a, a, a great example of this is I've been coaching my uh, my son's Little League baseball team for a couple of years. And one of the things that I've kind of seen that happens most often, when I, my son, his, his name is Ben, and he's probably 10 years old now. He's I think he's 10. And uh, and uh, when he when we first started when he first started baseball anyway he was pretty he's a pretty athletic kid so he he was he was pretty decent at hitting the ball but and that was with when it was like a, a coach pitch so the coach would pitch it and so the coach would always pitch it right where the kid would need it so that he could hit it and so in that in that scenario Ben did really really well well as he got up into the kid pitch it became a little bit more difficult because now the as the kids got better and better at pitching now they're trying to get kid the, the other kid to swing at that at balls right so they're trying trying to get, it becomes more more complicated and so um, one of the things that that we would do is what I that I would do as a coach is we'd set up drills in the the once a week practice to on batting practice. You know, we we teach them how to how to bat and get them some some good practice. In addition to that, though, I didn't I didn't just have been practice that once a week. You know, every once in a while we'd go to the batting cages, and then every once in a while we'd go you know we'd go in the backyard and I'd get some wiffle balls and and have them you know bat the wiffle balls at me. And if I did that with him, I don't know maybe three times a week, he got a lot better. If I did it with him just once a week, he kind of stayed the same, right? Or And sometimes even got a little worse. And so uh, because I was spending that extra time with him, because he was doing that extra, the, those extra reps, they were, he was getting those extra reps, He, got, I think his, his first year at, at Kid Pitch, he, for like the first, I think it was like six games he was batting a thousand <laughs> he was batting, he he basically was on base every single time but it was because of that extra time that he spent you know really working on batting some of the other kids on the team you know obviously didn't do as well because they were just coming to practice and that was it that was all that they weren't doing anything at home so they weren't stacking those successes well your public speaking career is the same way you know if you're if you're just speaking once every six months or once every two years or something like that it's going to be very very difficult to to reduce that public speaking fear you're gonna to have to speak a whole lot more often and really stack those successes and if you and every time that you have one of those speaking engagements then at the end of it do what i was suggesting before which is kind of analyze what you did well and then focus on that so that you can continue to do those things make it a little bit more difficult the next time increase those difficult that difficulty level if you do all of those things you're going to be able to eliminate your public speaking fear very very quickly real quickly i'm going to ask you as before we actually end the the podcast here i really need a favor of you guys um, one of the things that we really need is we really need more reviews on on the podcast so the 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 best place to to post a review is on iTunes or on the um, the the iPhone podcast 
pro- program. Um, the easiest way to do that, by the way, if, you, if you're listening to this on the web or if you haven't actually gone through a, a podcast app on a, on a cell phone, if you just go to Siri and, and say, Siri, search for the Fearless Presentations podcast, it's going to pull it up. And when it pulls it up in in the, uh, the search feature, uh, there'll be a place there for you to kind of leave a review for us. And just leave an honest review. I mean, obviously, we we, we really um, enjoy all the, the five stars. But leave us an honest review. Tell us what you like about the, the podcast. And if you think we, sh- we can improve it in any way, make sure and give us that as well. You can also send us a, an email at podcast at fearlesspresentations.com uh, if you have suggestions or if you have other things that you want us to add in on the podcast so that we can do this more consistently. So thanks a lot for being a part of the Fearless Presentations podcast. Subscribe to this podcast for new public speaking secrets each week. 